Well, good morning. It's so good to see you guys here today. If you've got your Bibles, let's go to Matthew chapter 16. We are in a series entitled Make It Count. Today is the final uh, sermon in this series. We don't want to waste our life. We want to make it count. And so we've been looking at ways and talking about ways that we can ensure that we actually do that as a church and as individuals. And on week one, we started with that passage from Matthew 25. And, and we saw that Jesus, in the end, that the final judgment is going to divide people into one of two groups, those on his right, those on his left. Those on his right, he said, have faith in me. And the evidence of their faith is that they actually lived a life of ministry. And so uh, that's uh, what we've been talking about and how we're gonna create ministries uh, this upcoming year uh, that go in line with Matthew 25. We, we talked week two about knowing our role. As we look at scripture, we know every single person who is a believer in Jesus has a specific assignment. They have a responsibility, a role to play in God's church in order to uh, build ministries and make disciples. And so it's upon us, our responsibility, to begin to discover what that is. In week three, we talked about really the only way that any of us could ever uh, really make a difference and make our life count, and, and that's through abiding in Christ. If you want to live a life that is fruitful, if you want to do anything of value uh, according to God, then it must come out of a life that is abiding in Christ. And to abide in Christ means that you would arrange your life around his words, arrange your life around his love and around his joy and make that the center of your life. Week four, we said, don't make a bad plan. Too many of us make bad plans in our life. And so as we looked at that, we saw that in order to make a good plan, we've got to first seek God uh, and, and his wisdom on that plan. We have to realize the brevity of life. And so what we know to do today, we're not to put off to tomorrow. We're to actually step out now by faith and do not wait. And then last Sunday, we talked about leaving a lasting legacy, how we can do that. And Jesus said that he came to serve and to give his life, right? And so if we want to leave a lasting legacy, then we need to have a life that is filled with sharing the gospel, filled with ministry, and that is filled with generosity as Jesus set that example for us. And so as we think in terms of generosity, we know that our financial sacrifice that we give first and foremost to God is gonna be a blessing to us. And then at the same time, God is going to use that to build his kingdom. And so today is the day that as a church, we get to unite together to actually give uh, sacrificially to fuel that vision and receive God's blessing. And all through this series, we've been trying to give you practical steps, practical ways for you to get involved. And so we wanna encourage you to continue to do that. Visit the Connect Center, go online. Uh, Make It Count page will help us know who you are and uh, what you wanna actually get involved in as we look at all of these different ministries and all these things that we wanna start and all these things that we hope uh, to do. And, and last week specifically, we said that the moment that we're in won't stop the mission that we're on. This has been a, a hectic year, it's been a crazy year, but we're not gonna allow the moment that we're in to stop us from the mission that we are on. And so today I want us to look at Matthew 16 and again be reminded of what this vision is. It's three parts. And so if we're gonna make it count, first thing was we're gonna multiply our location. And so that simply means that we wanna create and start 
a Foothills Church location in Knoxville. That's our goal as we move forward this year. Secondly, we wanna uh, improve our campus. And so the building next door is the West Building and we wanna renovate that space and, and create space for babies and kids. And, and a vol- it'll have a volunteer room for our kids' volunteers on Sunday. It'll have a counseling, uh, some counseling rooms for during the week. And uh, there'll, there'll be some classrooms that will be for journey uh, classes uh, on Sundays and throughout the week. There'll be some office space. There'll be a studio. Um, and, and so all of these things uh, to be able to advance the mission that we have and, and continue to create space uh, for those families and children who are not yet here. And then finally, the third part of that was to create ministries. And so from Matthew 25, we saw these six areas, these six basic needs that, that every church should be a part of and unite around. And one of the ministries that we need to create, we, we, our goal is to create is a prison ministry. And so again, if, if I can get uh, more volunteers involved in the creation of that, it's gonna advance this uh, in a great way. And, and then we also see that uh, as a church, we've got things that are already going, but we wanna add and build more volunteers around them. So when it comes to providing food and clean water and clothing to those in need, we wanna build out and build up our deacon uh, ministry, those that would pray and visit those who are sick. And then when we look at visiting and welcoming strangers, uh, so that would include our orphan care ministries, that would include adoption and fostering ministries, and that would also include people who are not from this area that move into this area, maybe from another country or whatever. And so how do we reach out to them and, and uh, welcome them? This is the, the idea of creating ministries. And, and so today we, we close out the series with the vision offering, and I really want to remind you why this moment cannot stop this mission. Why the moment cannot stop the mission. And in our text this morning in Matthew 16, God is is gonna show us three reasons why this moment cannot stop the mission that we are actually on. And so let's look at Matthew 16. This is what is is known as Peter's confession. And so Jesus is gonna ask uh, Peter an important question here. In verse 13 of Matthew 16, it says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Powerful verse here in in verses of Peter's confession of faith in Christ. Jesus makes this promise, and he says that he's gonna build his church The word church is the Greek word ecclesia. And that Greek word ecclesia means an assembly, a gathering, uh, those who would gather for a purpose. And um, at that time, it was not a religious word. Uh, It was just a common word that uh, those in that area and in in, in the Greek um, uh, culture would use to explain this is an assembly or a gathering of people. And they're gathered here for a reason or for a purpose. And, And so as the Roman Catholic Church was developed, the word church uh, began to take on a whole new idea. 
people started to recognize the word church as a building, all these massive buildings that were, that, you know, beautiful buildings that were created. And it started to teach and, and, and bring to mind this, this priestly order and the structure and the organization of what church uh, had become through the Roman Catholic Church. Remember, that was the only one at that time. You didn't have denominations at that point. It was just the Roman Catholic uh, Church. And, and so in the 16th century, a man by the name of William Tyndall, and if you've been to base camp, uh, this name will sound familiar. He comes along the scene and he wanted a translation uh, for the commoners, a uh, translation of the Bible for common people, because at that time, the Latin Vulgate was the only translation of the Bible, obviously written in Latin. And the only people that could read that were educated priests at that time. So they had power to basically say, this is what the, the scripture means. And, and people just basically had to trust them. And obviously that created a, a lot of tension and a lot of problems. And so Tyndall comes along and he, he looked at the original languages, the Greek and the Hebrew of the original text. And, and he set out to make a translation into the common language in England, which was English, obviously, at that time. And as he came to the word ecclesia, he said, wait a minute, we're missing something here. Ecclesia doesn't, it isn't this idea that the church is a building with, with four walls. It's, it's, it doesn't refer to an organization or a priestly order. The, the idea of the word ecclesia is that it's an assembly. It's a, it's a gathering of people around a purpose. And so obviously the Roman Catholic Church did not appreciate his, uh, his translation. And as he did this in secret and in hiding um, and trying to get this out to the common people, they, they were after him. They were trying to, to uh, arrest him during this time. And he was preaching in various churches at this time and people were falling in love with the gospel and, and actually hearing it uh, for the first time. And, and so if this were true, then it was gonna strip the power away from the state, the government. The Roman Catholic Church was the government of Europe, essentially, right? And so if this is true, it's gonna strip the, the, the church of its power. It's gonna strip the priest uh, of their authority to rule over. Now, all of a sudden, they're not some holy, mightier group of people. They're just like everybody else, right? And so uh, they continued to search and hunt for him and they couldn't find him until his, one of his friends actually betrayed him and uh, let the authorities know where he was at as he was uh, finishing. And in 1536, he was arrested. And the, the, the church wanted to make a spectacle out of him. So they gathered a large crowd in the, in the middle of the city and, and uh, to make a, an example out of him, essentially. And, and uh, they strangled him and then they burned him at the stake. Right before the rope was put around his throat, his famous last words were, Lord, open the king of England's eyes. And then they killed him. Within the year, almost every church in England had the translation that William Tyndall had created. And one man really can change the world. You see all over from that from, from that time period, the Protestant Reformation took breath and energy. And now all of a sudden the commoners, the common people could actually read uh, the scripture and understand the scripture for themselves. And here in our text today, we see yet again that one man can change the world. We know that Jesus changed the world, but here in Peter's confession, 
God is, is using him in such a way that he is, he is going to require and ask him and give him the privilege to be the leader of the disciples. He's gonna be the leader of the leaders as Jesus ascends into heaven and he gives the great commission. And here, Peter makes this confession and God gives him this mantle of leadership. And yes, he goes on to change the world. In verse uh, 16, it reveals some powerful truth to us. Jesus says, uh, his confession, Peter says to Jesus that you are the Christ, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And in verse 17, Jesus said, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. So in this passage here in this sentence, God is revealing his plan, his plan of salvation. To be the Christ, to be the Messiah was to be the anointed one who was sent by God to die on the cross for our sins, to redeem us to our heavenly father, to pay our debt on the cross. And raising from the grave on the third day defeats sin, defeats death. He's the Messiah. He's the son of the living God. This is God's plan of salvation. And it's revealed. And now that God has revealed his plan of salvation through his son, Jesus, this is why the moment cannot stop the mission that you and I are on. Secondly, he says in verse 18, Jesus says, and I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock, the rock of that confession, the rock of Jesus Christ, he says, I will build my church. And so God reveals his mission here. God is saying, this is my mission. I'm gonna build my church. Jesus is saying, that's what you're gonna do, Peter. You're gonna go and you're gonna lead and you're gonna teach people how to build the church and I'm gonna build my church. And even today, all over the world, God is building his church. Even in countries like communist China, we, we're hearing stories of God birthing and, and growing small gatherings of Christians all over that continent. We're hearing and seeing videos of people in Eastern Europe, you know, no, no, no way is God gonna do anything in that area, right? And, and oh yeah, God is building his church, people coming to faith and, and, and pastors being trained and, 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 and the gospel being spread. Even in our own country, we, we're kind of going through a lot of tension right now, but, but Jesus' promise is true for us. As we move through this tension in this difficult year, Jesus' promise is still true. He will build his church. And that's why I can have confidence today. Because he also says in verse 18 that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So God is actually revealing his power here. Nothing's gonna stop it. Jesus is saying nothing is going to stop me from building my church. COVID is not going to, uh, a, a communist government is not gonna to, going to, no government all over the world is gonna stop Jesus from building his church. Not even the gates of hell can stop it. And so that's why the mission today is so valuable. Like the moment that we're in, oh man, are you kidding me? It's not gonna stop the mission that God is on. This is, this is, this is just part of his plan. And we've got we've to strengthen ourselves and, and move forward in the hope and in the power of the gospel today. Nothing is going to stop God from building his church because the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So the why behind the mission today is God revealed his plan of salvation. He revealed his, his, his mission to build his church and he has revealed that nothing will stop him. 
And you see all over the world today, there are different kinds of buildings. There are different styles of worship and they're all a part of this prediction that Jesus is making here in Matthew chapter 16, that I will build my gathering. And you and I are a part of that gathering. You and I are a part of that prediction. It's a fulfillment of that prediction. In our government, or any government that tries to take away the freedom to gather does not matter, will not stop the power of God's church to be built. And so when the Bible talks about being involved in a church, we know this to be true at FC. It's not a building that you visit. It's not a sermon that you watch. It's the people of God. It's people in relationship. It's people in the spiritual kingdom of God who gather to worship, who gather to disciple each other, and then who go out into the world and do ministry to the world. And that's why Jesus was clear as he is ascending into, into heaven after he had died, after he had rose from the grave. Jesus gives us what we call the Great Commission. This is the win, this is the goal for God's church, right? When you, when you kind of boil it down, what are we doing as a church, as a group? What's our goal? What are we trying to accomplish? Jesus says, this is what we're doing. In Matthew 28, 18, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Don't skip past that. Don't miss that one today. He has all authority over your life, over your wealth, over what you have, don't have, gonna have, have had. He's got authority over everything. He has authority over all the earth. And because of that authority, verse 19, he says, go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age, he's with us and, and the command is to go. The command is to go and make disciples and that's why I love what God is doing at our church because we are seeing men and women, uh, teenagers even, discipling other believers and helping them grow, building relationships with those in the community, inviting them to come to church, helping them get connected so that then we can disciple and help people grow and move through that. And it's happening all over our ministries. Our kids ministry this past uh, weekend on Friday night, Jingle Jam was incredible. Like oh, so many kids just hearing the message of Jesus and families and moms and dads and just taking that home with them that evening was an incredible night. And so many volunteers are, are pouring into our kids ministry. So many volunteers are pouring into our student ministry and and helping the next generation grow and understand God's word. And especially in this year where, uh, man, I think the people that have suffered the most are our children and kids. And, 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 and you know, in this idea that we want to protect them, we've isolated them. Depression is up. Um, suicidal thoughts is, is, are up. And so um, it's, it's, it's timely that as God's church, we, we pour into the next generation. In fact, that is one of our core values, that the next generation matters. And so why would we invest and give sacrificially for uh, renovations and, and space to be added? Well, we care about the next generation. Right? We care and want them to experience the, next gener the, the, the hope and the power of the gospel. And to really help illustrate that uh, principle and that heart, I wanted to share a story this morning um, from a young man named Owen who is actually in high school and, and I think his story will be a blessing. It'll, it'll be a, a, a kind of a reminder of why we're doing what we're doing. Hey guys, let's go ahead and show this clip. 
I'm Owen Gibson, and I was born in Maryville, and I've kind of been raised up here all my life. I was about 11 years old, and uh, 2014, I uh, had some questions, and we had a conversation with my parents, and we moved and we talked to a pastor, and we had a prayer where I received Christ as my Lord and my Savior. November 11th of 2014, I was officially baptized, uh, making my public proclamation of my faith. Going through like sixth and seventh grade, there's always like foothills. You always heard the name of it, and it was always a church. It was always like a reference to it. Somebody would say something about going on a Wednesday night, but I mean, I didn't really know much about it until one of my friends, a good buddy of mine, he invited me, and I was like, I don't know if I want to go. You know, it's like it's an extra requirement to add to add on to what I've got going on. But he's like, just come one time, and so I came once, and I loved it, and I was like. This place, is, this place is special, there's something different. Coming here, I started developing relationships with people. I started getting great adult influences in my life, like you were helping me learn and helping me grow and see lights in the world that I wasn't able to see originally. Three of my best friends, we were all like, you know what, we're gonna, we're gonna serve. And so if we made it a requirement that we were all gonna do it, we could hold each other accountable for it. I originally started serving um, in FC Kids with a kindergarten small group. I had two awesome leaders who helped me out. They helped me learn like teaching, like teaching techniques for helping little kids and like helping me gain connections with them at like a very young age. And I know some of these kids really well and I know their parents. And it's awesome because I can make a connection deeper than just what we have, like what our lesson plan is on Sundays. I know that it's not for me that I'm doing this. I'm doing this for the kingdom of God and to help these kids like I'm planting a seed in them young. I'm giving them an example young to help them grow, to be hopefully a mature disciple like a lot of the people here at this church are. I can remember like from the time I was young, there was always like that one job that I wanted to have. I wanted to be an attorney or an astronaut or firefighter. There was always like some big job that I wanted to have. But getting up into like my high school years, I could kind of see that those options were narrowing down. And there was nothing really at the top. Like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. But I started getting really connected with some of the pastors here at the church, and especially the student pastors who were planting a seed and helping me understand of like some, some mission paths and some ways of life that I could continue on uh, after high school and what that looked like. And so they helped me understand that um, one of the things that I'm really interested in is serving and going into vocational ministry. And they took me on a trip after, during the protege program, which was like a big internship during the summer. And we went to Boyce College and we got to see and learn about a Christian school that a lot of people from this church have gone to and really enjoyed. And it was really awesome to go and get to see the school and to kind of see like what Christian life is like, what serving and working in full-time ministry is like. And, it, it all started kind of back freshman year. I was like towards the end of the year for the last few months, every day I was getting these awful headaches. My eyes were cramping up real bad and I, like, I didn't know what it was. I thought maybe it's just stress from school or looking at my computer for eight hours of the day. So for a while I thought that, oh, I was just, just having these headaches. It was no big deal. But it like continued on and continued on. And there was a little break during the summer that it wasn't there and I got back into school and I was like, okay, they're still here. It's these same headaches and I don't know what they are. So my mom took me and we got my eyes checked and they were very concerned with like the results they got. They were 
scared. They didn't know what was going on. They thought I just had double vision at first. And they were like, let's throw you in some prism glasses to help the double vision and get you to a neurologist to figure out what it is. A few months went by before my neurology appointment, which was pretty scary because knowing that like there might be something big or wrong, but we can't get to a doctor was kind of terrifying for a while. And we got to my neurologist and she didn't really provide a lot of helpful answers at first. It was, it could be all of these different really awful things and we hope it's not any of them. And so we just kind of had to start going down the list. And so for several weeks and almost a month, it was MRI, x-ray, blood work, all of these different things just over and over trying to figure out what on earth it was, what on earth it was. I was told that there was brain cancer, maybe an aneurysm, um, MS or myasthenia, which are just like worst case scenarios of like losing parts of my body and losing functions and being wheelchair bound or maybe even ended up blind. And so we ended up going to an ophthalmologist who told me that I was just cross-eyed and had double vision. And it was giving me these really awful headaches that was like almost unmanageable. They thought that these special glasses would help it, but lately I could kind of tell that they're not doing all that they should. And so we've scheduled another appointment that I hope we're going to get some more answers to. For all that time, I got really down on myself. I got into like a depressed stage of my life because I, I didn't know like what to do when you're told by a doctor that you might have cancer or you might have any of these awful things. You, you don't know what to do with yourself because there's just... There's a lot of hope that was lacking, which I was thankfully able to make up with the people here at the church, and God provided a lot of grace for me. Around that same time, uh, there was a sermon series that you preached called Place of Peace, and I couldn't, I was always excited to come back to church because this sermon series helped me understand that, like, you know, this chaos, there's a place of peace in God, that it's it may hurt right now, but... I'm going to accept God, and I'm going to accept His grace, and I'm going to accept what He's offered to me and move into that peace. And it really helped me um, not worry as much. There's still plenty of times when I my anxiety's taking over or there's just I'm feeling down on myself and scared that, like, we might not know. We, there's maybe something worse. Um, but I was given an opportunity uh, during student ministry last year to speak on stage during Courage Night. Every so often throughout the year, we'll have students speak on stage and tell their story. And so I had to sit down and I had to look through and pick something out. And I found God's grace through that. Like I really saw that God had shed me a lot of grace, that there's, I got, there's times I've been hurting and going through it that God's grace has kind of moved in over that and helped me get through it. And still to this day, when I kind of get those doubts and those anxious feelings, I'm able to look back on that time and be like, God has given me peace. His grace is there. I just have to understand that there is hope in tomorrow, that God will, God will be there if I'm reaching out for Him. He'll give me the strength. And that's just a snippet of... Uh why the moment we're in can't stop the mission we're on because there, there are still young men and, and, and women who are hurting in our community, right? 
And uh, one man can change the world. The young man that invited Owen to church was a huge influence in his life and allowed him to get through an incredibly difficult season um, that, that he had to go through. And so we, we truly believe here at Foothills Church that the, the next generation matters and the next generation needs Jesus. And so uh, we, we want to invest in that generation. We want to invest as a church sacrificially so that we can, in fact, be uh, the influence in the, in the life change that, that leads to men and women, young men and women coming to faith in Jesus. There's a, there's a story about a businessman and he uh, went to uh, uh, the beach for vacation. He woke up one morning and he went out for a walk on the beach. And, and when he uh, started walking, he saw this sea of starfish that had been washed up on the beach uh, because of the high tide. And, and uh, these starfish are clamoring over each other, trying to get back into uh, the ocean. And there were just thousands of them. And so kind of overwhelmed and, and kind of seeing that I can't really save all these starfish or do, do anything about it. He just uh, went on his way and, and continued to walk. And, and then he came upon this, this young boy who uh, was, was kneeling down and picking up starfish and just flinging them back into the ocean. And he kept doing that over and over again and, and uh, flinging these starfish and, uh, into, into the water. And, and uh, the, the businessman thought, well, that's, that's nice and all, but I need to help this young boy uh, really have a, a harsh lesson uh, of life that he needs to learn. And so he took that uh, responsibility to kind of have a conversation with the young boy. And he went up to the young boy and he said, son, this is a really noble thing that you're doing and, and uh, it's really nice of you, but can't you see there's just, there's thousands of these starfish. Uh, you, you can't save them all. So you might as well just save your breath and, and uh, you know, save your energy and, and, uh, and, and you can just kind of chill out. And, and the young boy didn't say anything at first. And, and then he, he knelt down and he picked up one more starfish and he flung it into the ocean like a Frisbee. And he looked up at the businessman and he said, well, sir, I made all the difference in the world for that one. I made all the difference in the world for that one. You see, sometimes we get confused. We think that changing the world means that you have thousands of Twitter followers or Instagram followers, but really you change the world one person at a time, one person at a time. And that's what the Lord is calling each of us to do. We can, in fact, uh, reach this next generation one person at a time. I'm, I'm sure when Peter heard this statement from Jesus that you're gonna help build my church and, 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 and he was, he was kind of given that mantle of leadership, he didn't really believe in himself that he was gonna actually change the world, right? He, he just thought, okay, this is a good moment, but he didn't realize all the things that were gonna happen after that. And I'm sure Owen's friend didn't imagine that happening in Owen's life either. And so some of us have to take that step today. I, I love what Helen Keller uh, said. If you don't know who Helen Keller is, you need to Google her today. She was born deaf and blind. And it was a story of, of just God's grace, how she learned how to communicate and, and uh, all the, the great things that she was able to do. She was uh, famously quoted as saying this. She said, I am only one, but still I am one. I cannot do everything, but still I can do something. Because I cannot do everything, I will not refuse to do something that I can do. I love that. It's just, just if I can't do everything, but I can do one thing, right? I, I can do something. And that's what I believe God is calling each of us to do. Not to get overwhelmed with all the things that you think need to happen. But essentially, it means that by faith, you use the gifts 
the talents, the resources that you have, and you use them and invest them into the kingdom of God. You have the potential to change the world. Um, I'm gonna share one more story with you. This is a, a young woman named Brittany that um, uh, God has really blessed and used in incredible ways over the last year at FC. So guys, let's go ahead and take a look at her story. I'm Brittany Templin and I'm from Alcoa, Tennessee. So my dad was a pastor. He went into the ministry in about, I was about fifth or sixth grade. And he took a church in Georgia. Um, so we went down there for about six months. It was a very lonely time and such an awkward time too because here I am in sixth grade. I have to say it completely turned me off to church. Um, and it wasn't my dad's fault. It wasn't anybody's fault. It was just, I guess, I have this idea of what I feel like a Christian should be. And um, I felt like maybe some thoughts and some actions just weren't how I felt I should love or how I should portray love or witness or anything like that. I was ready to come back home to Alcoa, so, and we did. We only lasted about six months there. It was a struggle. I mean, my childhood was very, I had some traumatic events happen in my childhood, and then going to middle school and being taken away from my home and then it was lonely. In high school, I mean, I was kind of done with the church thing. So in high school, I was a very quiet kid. Um, I had my high school boyfriend and that was really kind of it for high school. College is when it got, I started turning to things that I probably shouldn't have to kind of cope. At the time, when you're doing those things, you think it, you're, you're better, but then the repercussions of maybe decisions that you make at times are not so good. Alcohol was always a big crutch for me, um, and alcoholism runs heavy in my family too. So it's kind of like that has always been like my one vice that I kind of have always turned to, to cope. Well, when I was 25, I got pregnant with my daughter out of wedlock with uh, a guy I dated. It was not a good situation, not a good situation, very unhealthy relationship. Fast forward to about two years ago, um, I ended the relationship. My brother Jacob, he had been going to another church um, things hadn't worked out there, so we came to Foot, or he came to Foothills, and he was like, "You gotta come to this church." I'm at rock bottom at this point. I am a single mom. I'm 28 years old. I moved back home. You know, there's all these things that I kind of was feeling really lost. And he's like, "Just give it a try." I came, and I was like, "I'm just not ready." I'm not ready. I think the words you, the sermon you have preached was exactly what I needed to hear, but what I didn't want to hear. So I would come on a Sunday and then I'd be like, oh, I'm not ready. And you started the Ruth, um, the Ruth sermon. And 
that just completely touched my life. With the Rue series, I was kind of on and off with my child's father. So hearing about Boaz and how he was with Ruth, how Boaz is the leader of the family. He's supposed to be showing the children and um, how you're supposed to be as a father, as a husband. I was like, I don't have that. Um, So I felt at that moment, I had to show my daughter a better example than what I had been showing her because she was seeing a toxic relationship in and out of and it's it wasn't healthy and that's not what I want for her so that series really opened my eyes to I guess what I strive for in a partner it was week four of Ruth and I had felt as if I'd hit rock bottom in my life and at that point I knew how much I needed Jesus Christ to come into my life and save me and at that moment after when it was time to do the prayer we I did the prayer and um, I scanned the QR code and Pastor Taylor had contacted me a few days after and set up my baptism and I got baptized because I was showing my dedication to Christ and showing that I was ready to take this step in my life. I felt like this was an aha moment and I wanted to be public, do a public display of that. I've changed a lot of stuff in my life. Um, I talk to people about Christ. Uh, And that's a scary thing in and of itself, because you never know. Um, I do hair, so I don't know how people are necessarily going to react to it. But um, life has been very great. I've been very blessed. My daughter, Riley, she's been greatly impacted with my decision to follow Christ. She loves foothills, absolutely loves foothills. So she loves coming to church, and that's kind of what I hope for is that she would have a place that she loved to go to that she's also learning about God's Word. My dad actually started coming in August so with Jacob and my mom or not urging but trying to get us to both come I think it's brought our family together Um, I've never seen my dad so happy so That's been great. Jacob is a huge blessing. I don't know where I would be if it weren't for him and getting me here. I was in a really dark place and for him to be my younger brother, he's he's helped change my life for sure. So I think Foothills has impacted our family. It's kind of brought our family back together because we were very broken. We were a very broken family. We all love coming to church now on Sundays, and I never thought I would see us all together in a church, especially after everything we went through um, in our past. So, yeah.
Wow, powerful story of life change. Can we just give a round of applause for Owen and Brittany for sharing those stories? Takes a lot of guts. And both of these stories also remind us that Jesus is life. It reminds us that there are a lot of single moms and single dads out there, a lot of families who are broken today. And at FC, we've always wanted to be a church where marriages and families could find healing. And they find that healing in the Son of God, the Messiah, the Christ. And it's because of his plan, his mission, his purpose, his power, that we're able to help change the world one person at a time. And William Tyndall paid the ultimate sacrifice, right, to get the word of God into the hands of the common people. Now, you and I have it, and it's time for us to make our sacrifice to see that it gets into the hearts of the people. And that's our opportunity today. I wanna invite you to change the world today and take a a small step in that direction. And and that would be to to give practically to our our vision offering today. In front of you, as has already been mentioned, is an envelope. And I wanna ask you guys to go ahead and grab that envelope. And if you're at home, you can go to foothillschurch.com slash give. And the same digital envelope is there. In fact, if you don't wanna use the envelope, you can grab your phone and, uh, and pull that up today. And it's very simple. Just ask for some information, but that top line today is a one-time gift. It's, it's a one-time gift on December 13th that, towards the vision offering. And so it's just you saying, this is what uh, we are giving. This is what uh, practically we're gonna take this step. And then the second blank is, is for the vision fund for 2021. And so the idea here is that you're, you're giving a percentage. And so as a faithful giver, you're giving a percentage. The, the 2021 vision fund is what you would give over and above what you're already giving. And so just simply write that amount there. And, and what that does, that allows us to plan for all of the things that we've been talking about, creating ministries, uh, renovating the space, creating a location. And it would be our heart that as a church that we would unite around this and that we would take this opportunity to say, you know what, we're gonna make it count. And so let's take a minute to fill that out. And let's take a minute as the band comes out to lead us in a final song that you would be able to to complete that. And then after the song, as you leave, at every single door, there's a giving station. And so as you walk out, I just wanna encourage you, if you have the envelope, to to just drop that envelope into the giving stations as we leave today. Can we do that together, Um, especially as we pray? God, all over the room, our prayer has been that our people would in fact be prepared to take a step of faith today. And you know the the vision and goals, God, that you've given to us. It's, It's your vision, it's your church. And we're just instruments and hopefully be used for your glory. And and so God, we pray that you would help us to believe and have faith that what we give today would be used to impact more people like Brittany and more young men and women in our church, guys like Owen, 
the work could continue. Churches could be started in Knoxville. Renovation for families could take place. Creation of ministries would take place, God. May we be the hands and feet of Jesus and may this be a church where the gospel is preached today, tomorrow, 20 years, 200 years, the gospel we preach from this stage in this church long after everyone in this room is gone. But God, you have used us to lay a foundation and to build something through your power. God, may you be glorified here. May this be a place where single moms and single dads who are broken would find the hope of Jesus. Would this be a church, God, where teenagers and children would not fall victim to the lies of the enemy that says that through pleasure and through money and through fame, you'll find happiness, but that they would surrender their life to Jesus and recognize the power and purpose that you have given to them. May this be a place, God, where you are worshiped in spirit and truth. May this be a place where partners uniting would give sacrificially and would serve abundantly to the glory of God and for our good. Use us today, God. Bless us today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Foothills Church. If you made a decision to follow Christ while listening today, or if you have some more questions about what that looks like, then let us know. You can text FC Decision to 97000, or you can head over to foothillschurch.com slash decision. We hope you have a great week.